Scene one, Apple, take one. I'm here today with Danielle Van Herk, who I have known for many years. We met at film school in Australia in 2010, and we've been working on projects internationally uh, ever since then. First of all, I'd like to welcome you to the interview. Thank you so much. And just ask you to, you know, introduce yourself, talk about kind of like where you are right now, what you're doing, and then I'll jump back a little more into like how you got started in the film industry and all that. Right now I'm in Holland, I have my own company um, called De Cresso, um, and I do, do post-production for films, um, mainly audio, but I also video edit. Um, so that's where I am right now. One of the things that I, you know, wanted to talk to you about and I just mentioned is, you know, we met in Australia. So talk to me about where you grew up and how you got interested in film. And then later we'll shift into how did you end up in Australia? <laughs> well, I grew up in Holland. I was 17 when I uh, finished high school. And um, I watched a lot of uh, TV series and a lot of films. And I uh, owned a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer on DVD. And the DVD had uh, behind the scenes footage. And when I saw that, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to I wanna be involved some way uh, in making making films or making TV series. So I started watching all kinds of behind the scenes footage from all the DVDs that I had or um, yeah, or on, on the internet. Um, but I was 17 when I finished high school and I was too young uh, to go to film school because you have to be 18. Um, so I decided to study media communication at uh, Webster University in Holland, um, both because my dad wouldn't allow me to have a gap year <laughs> but also because I wanted uh, to be better at English because my high school was, uh, was in Dutch uh, and I wanted to, to leave the country and, and study somewhere else and live somewhere else for a while. So I wanted to improve my English. And so my dad and I compromised and we said, okay, well, while you improve your English, you can also study and get a degree. So uh, I studied at Webster University for, uh, for my media communications degree. Before you went to university for media, you're already planning going to film school. So talk about how once you finished that, you went back to the idea of film school and then how that idea ended up being you moving to Australia and going to film school there. Actually, the idea that wanting to go to film school had actually never left. So I did everything that I could. All the courses were specifically tailored. Like I tried to do everything that was either video related or photography related or like editing related. So all the, everywhere in any course that I could do some sort of video editing or video project, I would do it. But obviously, like I also had to do the other stuff. Um, so when I finished, uh, when I finished Webster, I really wanted to go to... Um, so I either wanted to go to America or Australia. So I started applying to all sorts of, all, all kinds of film schools. One of the places that, that accepted me was the International Film School of Sydney. Um, and just before that, my family and I went on vacation there in Australia and I loved it. I loved the country, I loved the culture there. So I was like, I'm going to Sydney. <laughs> and that's how I ended up going to film school in Sydney. Talk a little bit about the program that you went through and what you learned and how you ended up kind of 
deciding on what aspect of filmmaking you wanted to pursue? I got into uh, the, what was it called? The directing, screenwriting, and producing course. Because it was also, at that time, it was also a cinematography course, but I knew I wasn't that interested in camera work. When I started film school, I really wanted to direct. That was like the thing that I wanted to do. And through film school, I kind of realized I was more interested in post-production. I did the uh, directing, screenwriting, and producing course at film school, which was really like, it was just an amazing, amazing experience and an amazing course to do. When you were going through school, how, how did you move from, I'm going into this program to direct and then going out of the program with, I want to go into post. So what, what happened during the studies that enabled that kind of change of focus to come up for you? I think we came out of film school with like 20 short films. I mean, just from yourself. And for all the, the, the short films, you had to also help each other. So you did pretty much every single thing, every single crew member you had to, you had to do. You had to learn how to do every single thing. So I got to direct my own films, which was, it, it was re it, it's such a great experience to be able to, to do everything from produce, direct, write, you know, do camera work, do sound work, do everything. But while I was directing, I just found that it wasn't really my thing. I never really knew well how to communicate with the actors and get the best performances out of them. So, and I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Like I said, we had to do everything. So we also had to do your own post-production and your own video editing and sound. I was more interested in, in getting the, the footage back from, uh, from our day shooting and looking at it and seeing what I could do with it. So that's sort of how I slowly got into post-production by doing every single other thing on set as well. Talk to me about what freelance you were doing and what it was like to move from kind of this, the safety of like, oh, I'm in school working on projects to, you know, just like, like everyone, when you start working in the film industry, it's not like a regular job. It's not like, oh, I, I'm working on this project and I'm done. Mm. You know, it's this constant hunt for new work and uh, establishing connections and relationships with people and getting yourself out there. So how was that transition and, and what specifically did you do? One of the real benefits about film school is that you actually build up your network from people that you, that you know in film that you work with in film school. And they also all graduate and they also all want to do their own projects and their own things. So uh, throughout the course, I also got very good at sound recording. And that was some, something that no one wanted to do. No one was really interested in that. But I found it was really nice and really interesting to do. Um, so I, yeah, I just, people knew, people from, from, from film school knew that I, I did sound recording and I did it well and I had my own uh, gear, I bought my own stuff. Um, so I got asked a lot to do, uh, yeah, to do projects with people that I knew from film school and then people that like actors that I met that had their own projects and, you know, so the whole network sort of grew and I, I knew a lot of people in, in Sydney um, that needed sound recorders and everyone, all, no, not everyone, but like a lot of people came to me and just said, can you, can you help me out? Can you do this? That's how I got into sort of freelance sound recording. And then I also got into freelance editing, which was, I guess, more difficult to do, but I think I got that also a lot, um, through, through the school's network, um, that you build there. Uh, and yeah, also, also by the old job hunting online, uh, and they finding finding stuff on the internet. I'm curious what your experience is being a part of projects that kind of represent, you know, you and your 
kind of community as well as you know what it was like to work on kind of bigger projects instead of just growing out of like you mentioned most of the initial connections you have were from film school so those are kind of like student projects or people who just finished school and then you're you know you're working more like professional things it's funny because uh, starting from now actually happened only after the newtown girls and starting from now was a lot of the crew and cast that i met on uh, the newtown girls but the newtown girls i got that gig basically i was living with an actress at that time and she got a casting call for it and then she said oh they're also looking for crew so i applied for it got an interview and then they were very excited to work with me and it it, it was really nice because yeah like you said it's it's it was a lesbian uh, uh series web series and it's nice to work to work with you know people like you and that you were represented on screen because i think everyone kind of everyone wants that everyone wants to see themselves on screen whether it's in a web series or a film or a tv series um, it's it's nice to 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 work with uh, like-minded people yeah that's that's how i uh, got to work on the newtown girls um and it was it was a web series and i think we did three seasons from memory i don't really remember um about eight to ten episodes in a in a season um it's 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 great to work on a on a bigger project that continues on because you get to really know each other really like work well with each other and um you get to you know it the planning of it is just amazing it's it's very different than planning a, a short film so yeah it was it was really nice to work on a on a bigger project really get your teeth into something uh, and for for that i did both the sound recording on set and i did the the editing or was part of the editing team because it was very quite a big project how did working on these kind of recurring projects or these longer you know bigger scale things help to kind of transition you into more of a like professional in the industry you don't get that stability you you're sort of professional for just the weekend or something and then you're back to you know trying to find other work but this was a regular uh, re recurring job and so you had to really plan it you had to really be there basically because otherwise they didn't have any sound if I wasn't going to show up going from you know study into a nine-to-five job you then realize how to be a professional how to actually be responsible you are responsible for uh, getting things done for being there on time you know and because it is such a big project uh, it needs to work on schedule it needs to be as tied to the schedule as possible because you know film projects always run over and run out of budget but as tied to it as possible because locations were like we were filming in a bookstore and we only had a certain amount of time before the books were actually open. I think that really helps with, um, you know, thinking of yourself as a as a filmmaking professional. Talk to me about kind of the journey also of your kind of accruing stuff. You know, did you start off with a certain rig and then change it? You know, what did you learn on set that like, oh, um, I, I need stuff I don't have or I can do you know, I'm going to MacGyver, like, what I have, I'll figure out how to make it work, or, you know, were you constantly upgrading, how are you affording all of your stuff, especially as an indie person, where you're, you are, like, gig to gig, uh, how were you able to set yourself up so you did have, like, either a home studio, or, or at least everything you needed to be on set? I think it's funny, because when people do, um, like, the pre-production for films, they think about everything, 
um, they think about the lenses that they want, the kind of shots they want, the camera that they want to use, but nobody, or not a lot of people at least, think about what kind of microphone they want or need for, to capture the sound. So as a sound person, if you are, if you, if someone asks you, can you, can you come and you have your own stuff, that's like a real benefit because they don't have to think about it. The producers or the director don't have to think about it. They just know this person is coming to do sound and they've got their equipment. So it's sorted basically. So it takes, it takes a lot of, um, of the planning uh, away from, from them. Um, and so I, when I realized that, because you know you go on set and then you have like a rattling uh, boom pole because no one actually checked the you know the specs for it properly or you know or whether it was old or something so it was so i decided you know i'm just going to get my own stuff so i know it's it's the it's right and it works and i can check the batteries and i can make sure that i've got you know enough um cable and all that all that kind of stuff so that i was completely self sufficient and not dependent on anyone um which was both for for my benefit uh so that i was you know i because obviously it was my responsibility to capture sound and without sound it was just a silent film so because it was my responsibility i wanted to just to have that control over my own equipment and my own stuff um so that was beneficial for me but also beneficial for the crew because they knew like oh the, the sound person is sorted basically and did you find you know, project to project that you needed to upgrade or add to your kind of like inventory, or is it pretty much like, I just got a good recording device, a good boom pole, a good mic, and then I was good to go? I think, yeah, the, the, I, I had a good recorder, a good boom pole, a good microphone. I think it was fine for, for, for all the projects that I, that I had to do, yeah. So after you had your Australia adventure, you ended up moving to England, and you actually kind of switched from doing on-set sound recording to working in a studio and doing more like post sound. Tell me about the, not only the move from Australia to England, but also the move from being like on-set to post. I was always interested in post, uh, post sound. I remember in, in film school, there was like one audio suite. There was one like small room with the the mixer in there and i was like i think one of the people one of the only people who went in there and actually played around with the with the with the, with the mixer or with the desk um so i was always interested in post sound um but it is a hard industry to get into so that's why i did uh, uh yeah sound sound recording on set i moved from Australia to England because, well, I, you know, at some point your visa <laughs> ends and you have to move somewhere else. Um, and I didn't want to want to immediately go back to Holland. So I decided to move to London. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to have this massive like change in my life. And now I'm going to just try and get a more steady job in an, in a studio um, while uh, you know, because I, because it's all nice to, to freelance and stuff, but at some, you know, I wanted to have a more steady uh, job. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and, and and find a job in a studio. So I literally went around uh, Soho in London, where a lot of the studios are, uh, just handing in my my resume. And I was looking both at video uh, post production and audio. I preferred audio, but obviously when you start out, you have to start somewhere. Um, and that's that's how I got to to the the place that I started working in London. 
it sounds like that you moved to England and then kind of settled into post and weren't really looking to get on set much anymore. So how did settling into working for that company and what you learned there, it's kind of like the go back to what you said about film school. You went in with the idea of directing, you came out with the idea of audio. So you went into England, were looking for a post job, and then that kind of made you realize like, yes, this is exactly where I want to be. Although like I really enjoyed being on set, I always did enjoy post-production uh, more and like, and especially the audio side of it. So when I started working in the studio, I learned a lot about sound design and a lot about like sound audio recording. Um, and I was really like, yeah, this is, I, I really do want to do post-production. So I was very, very happy to be there and to learn. Now you have moved again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you've also uh, both like physically where you're living, but also you've moved again in the industry. So you you still have your kind of a you know quote day job industry job, but as you mentioned at the beginning, you opened your own company. So talk to me about your geographical move and like why that happened and where you are now, but also about the move to go from like well I have a job and I'm doing the thing I like to. I'm actually opening my own business. Yeah, so <laughs> I moved back all the way back around around the world and back to my home city, The Hague in, in Holland. Um, and I, yeah, I started my own company. So I still work for the company in uh, in London and I still do, uh, uh, do bits and pieces for them. But I started my own company because I like the freedom of being able to, to work on projects that I want to work uh, on and to work with people that I want to work. Um, and it's a challenge. I always like to challenge myself. So I thought, why not? But if you open your own company, um, and especially, you know, I'm, you know, it sounds like a big thing. I open my own company, but it's just me. And so if I just say I am just audio, like not a lot of people are going to go. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So I started to expand my, uh, my skills again, back into also video editing. And, um, I'm even sort of learning, um, uh, effects now as well. And after effects, um, because I think if you are your own person and if you are your own freelancer, the more skills you have and the more skills you can offer, the more work you can find and the more value you can offer a, a production, a film production. What perspective shifts or like new things have you seen now that you, know, you didn't before you left Holland? I think bef before I left Holland, I was very much, you work in the film industry and um you, you you work on movies and, and and series and stuff but i think the film industry is such a broad term when you when you think about it it's it's anyone who you know creates uh, event videos or business videos they can all be called the film industry so there's a lot more potential work if you think about it like that because if you're just stuck on uh, I, I only want to do fiction that's great but then you have to go i think maybe to LA to really uh, work there uh, and if you want to to do that kind of stuff but I think it's such a broad term and I think it's especially if you are a freelancer um, you know even you can't just be doing one job anymore you need to now uh, do and and uh, filming for example and editing or and editing and and sound and effects and you know, it's just because everyone nowadays has a camera on their phone and everyone has an editing program. So you need to set yourself apart, which when I went to film school, no one was really editing and camera phones were not really a thing yet. I think it's it's 
both a lot harder to get into the industry, but also a lot easier to set yourself apart from 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 others. All of us, when we start out, we're the young people on the set, and the the older people uh, have more experience. They're in charge. But that's a little easier for me as like a white guy from America when the majority of people I'm working with are like white guys from America. So for you as an international woman, especially in sound, what's your experience been uh, and and was that different in the different countries you worked in? Well, especially when I was doing uh, sound recording on set in Sydney, a lot of times I walked on set uh, with my stuff uh, and either they thought that I was just carrying it in for someone else or immediately some guy came up to me and said, I can get you a C-stand for your boom. And I was like looking at him like, yeah, but they're, they're walking. Do you want me to move the C-stand every time? Like, so they didn't, immediate, they didn't think that I could hold up the boom for the whole scene or whatever. And we were always so impressed when I could. And then they gave me these, like, they were nice compliments, but they were also like, yeah, but I was hired to do the sound. Like, you should expect me to do the sound. You shouldn't come running up trying to help me set up my gear or you know, offering me stands for, to hold up my boom. As a woman in, the, in, in a male-dominated industry, it's a lot harder for me to, like, a lot of times I will be in meetings or I will meet someone and I really have to prove that I know what I'm talking about. So even though I don't want to, I still would have to name drop terms just so to establish that I know what I'm talking about because it's not immediately a given. For, for the other person. It's a little bit of a harder, like uh, longer run for, I think for, for women in, in the industry. And would you say that that is also true of being a member of the lesbian community in the film world? Is there any difference or issues there that you found or is that something that doesn't come up or doesn't really matter? I don't think that matters that much. You know, you are in an art industry and so a lot of, a lot of people are more open-minded and stuff. So. I've never really had an issue uh, about being gay uh, in the industry. Where are you in terms of doing your own projects or going into some of those other things like writing and directing or uh, new skills like VFX? Like what would you say is gonna be kind of the future of both you and your company as far as being uh, creative for an artist? At the moment, I am focusing on mainly on post-production. I do like writing and I always loved it during film school as well, I loved writing. It is always something that I still want to pick up because I've got so many ideas and they're all written down in a little notebook somewhere. <laughs> and I still want to like develop them and write them out. But I think for, for now, because also I, I yeah, my, I'm not, uh, you know, I've just started my own company a year now. Um, so I just want to get comfortable with post-production and get more of a network as well, because the, the downside about moving around so much is that you lose your network. I had a big network in Sydney. I had a network in London a little bit. And now here in Holland, I am trying to build it up again. So I'm, I'm trying to get meetings with studios to, to get to know people and just um, really position myself as a post-production person. So video, sound and, and effects. What tips or kind of ideas would you like to kind of give to anyone to know so that they could benefit from your knowledge? Definitely, the, my main tip would be like, think about sound in, in pre-production and while you're filming, because I've had so many times where I've been in on set and no one actually thought about sound. Um, and so either the room was too small to, to record sound in properly or the room was too echoey. And there's like, there's not much then I can do. 
um, either on set or in post-production. Also, a lot of times where I would tell someone or, you know, usually the first AD to say like, there was a plane overhead or there was a car in the background. I didn't catch that sentence. And the director would just ignore it and just be like, oh, I'll be fine. Because the shot was nice and the actors were good. But if you can't hear the sound, then, you know, they're going to have a problem in post-production. And also having worked or working in, post, in the post-sound uh, industry, um, if you can only clean up sound so much and especially if you don't have a massive budget as indie filmmakers yeah you there's only so much you can do with with sound in post-production if you don't record it properly on set so really my main tip would just be like think about it all the time like you think about your lenses and your shot compositions and your lighting think about sound as well I'd love to give you the opportunity to have other people join your team. So how would they uh, either reach out to you or your company and or see more of your work? I think the easiest way is to go to my website, thecreso.nl, and you also find my social media links there um, and my work. Well, thanks so much for talking with us. I really appreciate learning some more things about you that I didn't know, and I've known you for a long time. So uh, I wish you all the best, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to support the show, please click on the link below. You can also contact me at my website if you have any questions about filmmaking or anything else. Off to the side, you'll see a couple of my books, Film Notes and the Film Notes Workbook. I encourage you to check those out if you'd like to learn more about filmmaking. See you in the next episode. Scene one, Apple, take one.